0: All right, we're going to continue on this morning. I want to say hello to you all. My name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Uh, Glad that you're with us this morning on this uh, really beautiful Sunday morning, especially for July. Uh, We need to um, enjoy um, these kind of mornings while they're here because we won't probably get too many of them over the next couple of months. But um, if you're a guest, um, if I have not gotten the chance to meet you before, I would love to meet you. So um, if you have time to stick around afterwards, I'd love to just uh, say hi to you face-to-face if you um, are new here and I haven't gotten the chance to meet you today. We are continuing on in the series where we're uh, kind of bouncing around a little bit in the book of Proverbs. We're going to be spending six weeks total this summer in Proverbs, um, just as uh, kind of a little summer series, a little bit of a different um, angle or, or genre of of kind of biblical literature, which I think is really helpful for us to get that um, kind of broad diet of the Word. So that's what we'll be doing over the next six weeks or so. Um, Today we're going to be in Proverbs 9, Proverbs chapter 9. So I'm going to read that chapter and then we'll jump in. Proverbs 9, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the high places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Verse 7, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. Verse 13. The woman of folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, a book like Proverbs. These, these short, memorable statements of of truth, of um, the, the the pathways to flourishing in our life. We're thankful in, in your grace and your wisdom that you provided a book like this for us to to read and to meditate on and to think about, so that it would change us. But it would only not only change what we know, what we know about you, but also change. What we love, what we desire. And as a result of those two things, it would change the way we live when we leave this place. And I pray that we would become a people of wisdom, a people of deep character as a result of you and what you revealed about yourself in your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week we started this um, little series on Proverbs, and last week we looked primarily at chapter 1, which was the introduction to the book, which was kind of lays out the purpose of the book. And one of the things I said last week, for those of you who weren't here, that, that the Creator God, our Creator God, has designed the world to work in a certain way. He's the designer. He knows what will lead to flourishing. He knows what will lead to freedom and joy. Right? We're not blind living in, in, in this world as followers of Jesus. And he gives the, the book like Proverbs and other wisdom literature in the scripture as a guide to help us understand how the world works, how we live in this world in such a way that we can flourish, that we can spiritually grow, that we can experience freedom and joy in all that God has to offer us. You think about, um, I don't know very much at all about cars and the way they work, but we all kind of know about cars that like we, th- th- there's a certain way a car works according to the designer of that car. And you have to put certain types of oil in cars, certain types of gas in cars. You have to do certain kinds of maintenance on cars at certain times of, of mileage and, and age of the car and those types of things. And we're pretty, we're, most of us are pretty careful when it comes to cars because we get it, right? It's just this machine It's pretty complicated, these parts moving together, and if we do kind of make one mistake or we put on a wrong part or put the wrong fluid in the car, it can mess everything up. I think we're aware of that when it comes to something like a car, but are we aware of that when it comes to our lives lived and that God has designed the world that we live in? A proverb, the definition of a proverb, which we talked about last week, but it's a short saying of practical truth that's easy to remember. Right? That's the point of Proverbs. That's why there's Proverbs in all different cultures, all different religions, um, Proverbs that go back even further than uh, the biblical Proverbs, right? Because they were short statements of truth to, to that particular group of people that you could remember, that you could recall quickly, that were, 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 were memorable, right? So and those things were meant to change us and change the way we live. So this this book of Proverbs, because we're bouncing around, I want to give you kind of an overview of what we're getting into here. Um, The first nine chapters of the 31 of Proverbs, the first nine chapters um, are pretty general talking about wisdom. Wisdom in general, we kind of have this play back and forth between uh, uh, wisdom and folly, kind of these two pathways. Um, There are these speeches that uh, Solomon gives to his son about wisdom, okay, and about folly as well. And it kind of depends on how you divide it up. There's anywhere from eight to 12 speeches in those first nine chapters. The word son is mentioned, I believe, 21 times in the first eight chapters. So this is clearly a Solomon passing on words of wisdom to his son. But we are the benefactors of that because we are um, created in God's image. And so we can hear the Proverbs like, like uh, the son of Solomon would as he's listening to them. And then uh, then the rest of the book really is digging into specific topics um, as it relates to Proverbs. And so we'll get into a little bit of that moving forward in the book. Um, today will be a little bit more general because we're kind of bookending. We, we looked at chapter one last week, chapter nine today. We're kind of bookending those first um, nine chapters where he's really just introducing wisdom. What is it? How it compares to f- uh, foolishness and folly and wanting his son to walk the right path. Walk the right path. Uh, Verse two in chapter one um, had really the goal of the book, the purpose of the book, which are two things, to know wisdom and instruction, and to understand words of insight. To understand, um, to know wisdom and instruction, and to understand words of insight. And when we think about it, we can kind of initially think of like what we know, and we think of wisdom as this knowledge built up. Um, and, And it is that, but it is so much more than that. This is about The purpose of Proverbs and this wisdom literature is to develop a deep character that will change the way we live. So it's not just knowing some things about God and knowing about the way the world works. It's actually meant to, yes, go through our minds, but change our hearts, change what we love, change our desires, which would in turn change the way we live, which is the ultimate goal of Proverbs, to change the way we go about living in this world. So I mentioned this is a father speaking to a son and he's desperately wanting the son to know wisdom. Those of you who have kids, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get this, right? You moms and dads, like when you're passing on the kind of the, the deposits of the faith, the things that really matter, the, the major things, like it's like the way you talk about those things, you want them to remember, know this, walk in this way, pursue this. Love this and not that. Right? This is, so, this is kind of, you got to put yourself in Solomon's position here as he's talking to his son. At this particular proverb, it's at the end of these first nine chapters, this Proverbs 9 here, this chapter, he lays out two paths. He finally puts his son to a decision point a little bit. He's talked about wisdom, he's talked about folly. And in this chapter, he's going to, to, to lay decision out uh, to his son. But there are two paths, there are two ways to walk. One path leads to life and abundance. One path leads to death. And we're going to see that as we walk through this passage. So really the three kind of um, sections of today or the movements are, what are the paths? What are these two paths? We'll look at that. What kind of person chooses each path? And then three, one of these paths leads to Jesus. It does lead to Jesus, and we'll get there at the end. Um, so in this passage, he is he's building this contrast between Um, lady wisdom and lady folly. And he's using this literary device called personification because, remember, he's talking to probably a a son that's coming of age. He's probably thinking, what better way to get my son's attention who's coming of age to put this in terms of a female, right? I want your attention, son. I'm going to put this in terms of female. So it's female wisdom and female um, folly, or lady wisdom, lady folly. And wisdom in Hebrew is actually a feminine word. It comes from kind of the gender construction is feminine in Hebrew, so this makes sense, okay? So in these 18 verses, the first six are about lady wisdom, and the third six are about lady folly. And the middle six are how certain people react um, when presented with these two paths. So we're gonna start by looking, kind of going back and forth between the first six and the last six, because those things are completely parallel, which is intentional in how, the, how Solomon lays this out, which you'll see here in a minute. So remember, two calls or two paths, one from Lady Wisdom, one from Lady Folly. So let's look at verse one. This is Lady Wisdom. And Solomon sets this up with a party or a banquet imagery, a party or banquet imagery. Um, verse one, wisdom has built her house she has hewn her seven pillars. Imagine a house, a structure um, with pillars, right? Like two pillars, you think usually maybe four pillars, like six pillars if this is like a giant house. But this is seven pillars, right? So not only is this more pillars than you would normally expect to have in a house, it's an odd number. So this, this house is to, to stand out. It's, it's a great place to visit. It's a place you want to come inside of. There's also some talk about this number seven, how seven oftentimes in the biblical literature is, a, is, a, is the holy number, is the perfect number. So some um, commentators think that there could be even a deeper meaning here with those seven pillars. But regardless, this is a nice house. And it says, notice the wisdom has built her house. She's the one that constructs it. She's the one who has put the hard work into actually creating this place that she's going to invite people into. Now let's go over to Lady Folly, verse 13 and 14. The woman Folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town. The first word there we kind of see is seductive. She's tricky. She um, kind of wants attention, but for the wrong way. She's loud. Notice when it says, it talks about her house, she she didn't build it. She's just sitting at the door of her house, and she likes to take seats at the highest places of the town. She's not humble. She wants to be seen. She wants to be noticed. She wants people to look at her and be in, in awe or, or, or be attracted to her, okay? So that's the, that's the place, the physical location we are being invited into, and we really need to, to think about the physical location here because there's a reason Solomon has set this up in this way for his son that he's talking to. Let's look at verse two. Now we look at what's going to be served at this party or at this thing that they're being invited to, maybe a banquet. She has slaughtered her beasts. This is Lady Wisdom. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. And then we'll skip down to verse five because it refers to kind of the food as well. Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. So once again, it's ready. This spread is ready. The table is set. It's waiting for the guests to come. She said she's, she's slaughtered beasts. You see that just, just that that's probably kind of delicacy. That's probably something that's not served all the time. You have wine, you have kind of fancy, it's a little bit fancy, right? You really feel like you're getting invited into a banquet. Like this is special. This is meaningful. And she's the one who's put in the work, right? She's the one who set the table. She's the one who slaughtered the beast. And and, and she has mixed the wine. So she is the one that has put the work in to create an environment for people to come and to receive um, um, love and receive value and receive joy and all the things that this gives us. Now let's look at Lady Folly, verse 17. What's she gonna serve? Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Now, when's the last time you were invited to a, a really like kind of important occasion where there's gonna be a banquet or a meal and you find, they're, they're saying, you know what, we're gonna have water and we're gonna have bread. That's it, that's what we're gonna have at this banquet, at this feast. You're like, wait a minute, that, that sounds like we're, we're like fasting or something, right? That, this seems like this is kind of minimalistic. This isn't, this isn't the party that I wanna to come to, right? If you're gonna have bread and water. And notice here it says stolen water. It's interesting, he puts in stolen water, is sweet. And I think there, he's getting at this idea that, that there's something that I think even inside of all of us, when that's attractive, with doing something wrong, doing something risky, doing something that we do that some, not other people know about. Maybe for a moment, something we steal that's not ours, the rush of that, the, the excitement of that is enticing. It's attractive, but it's just water but it's stolen water. And then she also has this, it's, it's bread eaten in secret is pleasant. So we're gonna come to this, this party into this house and then we're gonna eat our bread in secret. Seems shady, seems weird, right? Like once you get in this house, once you get in this place, it's, it's not a party, right? It's not what it, you thought it was going to be. And throughout this, we see this bait and switch from Lady Folly. It's, it's big promise on the front end, right? You're gonna see, she's gonna invite, Invite the, the, the traveler in here in a moment and then you get inside and she can't come through on her promise. She can't promise what she is delivering. Now I want you to take a minute and just imagine the greatest feast or banquet or party that you've been to. Do so you actually think about it. Think about the food you had. Think about how it smelled. Think about the drinks you had there. Think about the company that was there, probably laughing, telling stories, You're just enjoying what was happening and what, what you were celebrating in the, that moment. And this is the, the place that God invites us into. He wants us to come to this party. He, uh, Lady Wisdom wants us to come to the party where we'll benefit, will lead us to, to, to reconciliation with God. It will lead us to the, the way of living that leads to flourishing and not the way that leads to death. Okay, So both Lady Folly and Lady Wisdom are, are, are creating an environment for us to come into. And now we have the invitation. Verse three, back up to Lady Wisdom. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here to him who lacks sense, she says. So, It says the way that Lady Wisdom is sending out the invitations is she sends other, maybe in this personification, of like little Lady Wisdoms, right? Like she is sending out um, other people that she values, her understudies, her mentees, she's sending them out to invite people in. And notice she's going out, right? She's going to the highest places of the town. Come, come to this party, come to this feast, come enjoy the meat and the wine and the conversation. Come, and she's sending her, her, her messengers out to call people in. And she says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says. Now, this idea of simple, we didn't really get to get into it last week, but it, it does mean immature. does mean maybe people who are a little bit wayward in traveling. But it also has the sense in, in, in the Hebrew of, of, of being naive. Even some English translations translate simple naive. So it's like being open-minded in a way, but in a bad way, right? Being open-minded, being being flaky, being wishy-washy, just lacking sense, right? And so that is all of us to some degree, right? We are all in that category. Maybe some of us more than others. Maybe some of you at other times in your past, you were like that. Maybe before you met Jesus, this would describe you. But this is who she's calling. She's calling the simple. But she's really calling everybody, right? So it takes a bit of humility to say, yeah, I'm simple. I want to go in there. I need that. Let's look at Lady Folly, verse 15, her invitation. She's calling to those who pass by. It's like she's like standing on her porch and her doorway and yelling at people as they pass by. She's not sending out invitations. She's just yelling. Who are going straight on their way. There's people who are going straight somewhere and she's, she's trying to get them to come in. She said, come, check this out, come inside. And she says, whoever is simple, it's almost the same invitation. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, almost word for word verbatim says the same thing as Lady Wisdom, okay? So they're after the same people. They're after you and I, Lady Wisdom, Lady Folly, okay? So i want to go back to this idea of being simple, right? Being simple. Um, this could mean, again, being immature, Lacking knowledge, lacking understanding of what's wise and what's foolish, um, but it can also mean too open-minded, maybe non-committal on matters of truth. I know a lot of us, um, or I'd say I just think maybe a lot of us, I know some of us at least grew up in really hyper-fundamentalistic hyper-fundamental, backgrounds, right, um, where you were just kind of truth was maybe shoved down your throat in a very non-loving way. So we can react to that by just not really wanting to contend for truth, by really not kind of everybody can kind of do their own thing. It's okay. Um, this is would be called simple and even foolish in the biblical literature, right? This isn't a, and again, this isn't like a humble wrestling with the truth. Like, yeah, I know I'm, I know I'm simple. I know I'm immature. I'm really wrestling with this truth. I don't know what I think of that. That's a healthy kind of wrestling with the truth. But the person who says, you know what, truth is just whatever. I'm really open-minded. I'm really kind of elite in that way, and I, I think that everybody can kind of do their own thing, and truth is kind of relative. That, in the Bible, we call foolish, right? To disregard truth found in the scriptures and being so open-minded, so wishy-washy, that we can't ever kind of um, take the pathway of truth in our lives or speak to others in the same way, right? So, I want to go to this idea of, uh, found in Proverbs 4.23, as we talk about what this idea of wisdom is, okay? Proverbs 4.23, which is on the screen, says, "Uh, from your heart flow the matters of life, or uh, keep your heart with all villages, for from it flow the springs of life, okay? So what this is saying here is our heart is the, the operating center for our lives, and so We can value wisdom, right? Like we can, on paper, say, I value that. That's a wise decision. That's a wise move. And we know those things, but it's often difficult for us to actually walk the path of wisdom and live like that. Because our desires, our heart, is not getting shaped by the wisdom. It's not getting shaped by something. It's getting shaped by the wrong thing. Jesus has the parable, if you'll remember, of wise man. He uses these words, wise and foolish. It was a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the storms of life came, that could be anything. Anything that pushes against your faith. When those things came, the house was sturdy. It made it. It was, it was unblemished because of what you couldn't see. It was actually built on the rock. And that house wasn't going anywhere. And you contrast that person with the person who builds their house on the sand. Maybe it looks even nicer from the outside than the other house, but when the storms of life come, it crumbles, it breaks, it's destroyed. Why? Purely because of the foundation. That's the only thing, the only difference between these two houses. So back in this kind of Proverbs 9 idea here, what is your wisdom built on? What is your knowledge built on? What are your desires built on? Is our faith shallow? Is our faith strong? See, wisdom isn't just making good decisions, knowing more facts. Wisdom is more than just a matter of the head. It is a matter of the heart. So the question we should be asking ourselves is, what do you want? What do you desire most in life? What controls your thoughts on a day in and day out basis? What do you fear? What do you want more than anything? And and then the question becomes: how is wisdom shaping that desire? How is what you're taking in, what you're learning, what content you're consuming, what kind of people you're talking to, how's that wisdom shaping the desire? Because they are connected. That the wisdom we take in shapes our desires. I want to give a couple examples here to help us understand this. I think this is where kind of the rubber meets the road when we talk about wisdom and foolishness, okay? So we're a church that wants to be centered on the gospel that's found in God's word, And one of the things we talk about a lot, hopefully you've heard this clearly, is that you should want to spend time with God. Well, you should spend time with God. Not just want to, you should want to spend time with God. I think all of us would say that's a good thing, right? It's a wise move to spend time with God daily. No, there's very few people that would say, eh, it's not, that's kind of foolish to do that. So we all understand that intellectually, right? Like we get that. But how many of us in a given day or given week let other desires, let other loves, let other values come in the way of spending time with God, which is so important. So again, it's not a matter of, is it good or not? It's a matter of desires in the moment. Am I the kind of person that values spending time with God enough to make it happen? Am I the kind of person that is developing my my habits and my character and my wants and my desires? Okay. Or you could say you could be getting your 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 um, your connection with God or your relationship with God could be dependent upon other people. Podcasts, preachers, devotionals, books that aren't the Bible, right? Like these things aren't bad, but if they are your if they are your substitute for spending time with God, then that is a problem. Talk about another kind of value we have, this, this idea of community or, or, or formative community, right? Um, versus shallow relationships. If we all said, hey, you need to be in relationships with people that are going to challenge you, love you, support you, and really exhort you to follow Jesus, you would say, yeah, absolutely. That guy, we all want that, right? We all want that kind of community. But... When it comes down to it and the, and the work that requires, and the investment that, that requires, and the transparency that requires, um, we, a lot of us, most of us are prone to say, you know what, I'm just gonna kind of surround myself with shallow relationships and people who really won't ever make me uncomfortable. I'm gonna kind of pick and choose people that make me comfortable and really never make me face the hard things in life. That is not the way to formative community. In the path of wisdom, and folly, that would be going down the relationship, the, the, the pathway of folly. And one, I'll throw one more in here, uh, living missionally. Like we talk about that a lot too. This is a life that's lived for God and, other, and others rather than for ourselves. That's really what it comes down to. Again, if I said, hey, is it good to build your life around sh- being witnesses for Jesus, being ambassadors for Jesus, loving um, your neighbor as yourself, loving your enemy? We'd all say, absolutely, that's clear in the scriptures. But how many of us do that? It's hard. It's difficult. It takes time to develop that, that virtue, that character habit, that, that piece of becoming that kind of person. Rather than kind of, revol- our, we wake up in the morning, or our day revolves around us. Our week revolves around us, not other people. So how do we match what we know to be the path of wisdom and match our desires to actually then walk down that pathway that will ultimately lead to our flourishing? So, that's the two paths we have to choose. I want to keep going in this proverb. This is where they lead. Very clear. At the end of the, the first six verses, verse six, Lady Wisdom, it says, leave your simple ways. We've talked about simple, what that means. She says, leave them. Get out of there. Run. Like, get, create distance, right? And Live. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. It leads to life. Jesus would say life in abundance, abundant life. That's the life he's calling us into. It's What Lady Folly says, where Lady Folly leaves. This is Solomon this is now telling his son, this is, this is where you're going to end up if you go down this road. But he does not know that the dead are there. Before he gets in, he doesn't know the dead are in there. He doesn't know there's corpses laying around Lady Folly and what she is inviting her guests into and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol or the place where God doesn't exist, the, the dark place, the place that is separation from God. This leads to death. The way of folly leads to death. The way of wisdom leads to life. So we have two scenes, we have two invitations and two choices to make that lead that end in life or death. Now, here are two kinds of responses. This is verse seven. This talks about the scoffer, okay? Whoever corrects the scoffer gets himself abuse. And whoever, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. So here's Solomon, is basically helping his son kind of on, on who to interact with, who to actually kind of pass down this wisdom to. So we, we learn that side of it, but we also learn, a little bit about how people receive wisdom and how people are on the, on the receiving end of wisdom, whether God's wisdom, wisdom for other people. Um, so let's look at the scoffer. Um, he is not open to correction, right? The scoffer is not open to correction. They are not open to changing their ways. Like the, your words are useless. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your effort if you try to speak wisdom to a scoffer, Okay. And so part of this is understanding, kind of asking us the question, are we scoffers? When we hear wisdom, do we reply, or, and maybe correction from other people, do we reply with humility? So, yeah, I need to hear that. Or I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm short in this area. Or I'm immature in this area. I really need to hear honest wisdom for people who love me and care about me. Or when we receive that kind of wisdom, we can respond in pride. In foolishness, and be dismissive, dismissive of that wisdom, like the scoffer, who can't even be approached with wisdom. It can't be approached with uh, good sense. He's saying to the sense, it's "Not even worth messing with the scoffer. Don't mess with him." When it comes to receiving wisdom from God's word or another person, are we humble? Are we receptive to that wisdom? So humility, like we mentioned last week, is a—it's foundational when it becomes. When it, when it comes to being a person of wisdom, of character, we have to have humility. If you're married, you probably get this. But one of uh, the main really issues when it comes to Nicole and I's um, conflict, and I told her I was going to share the story, um, but it's, it's mostly pointing at me. Um, she's the hero in the story. Um, so um, she, when we fight, when we conflict, oftentimes it's because um, I don't want to hear what she's telling me. I wanna, I'm defensive. Or I make excuses, or I, I I say I blame the circumstances of our life rather than owning what she's really trying to allow me to own, and it creates issues because I get defensive. I, I take the foolish path in those scenarios and be de, and, and defend myself, defend my own honor, try to so defend my own character instead of being being open and humble, being like, yeah I'm 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 a mess. I know I'm a mess. Jesus had to die for me. I get it. So why in that moment can I not receive, or it's difficult to receive my wife's words of gentle correction? It's hard. Maybe some of you all deal with that in marriage. That's oftentimes, this, this comes up, right? Is, is we're, we're the most difficult with our spouses when it comes to that. But it also goes to all of our relationships as well. Some other questions, how do you respond to correction? Do you welcome it or do you run from it? I'm not saying you like it, but you should welcome it. Nobody loves being corrected, but do you welcome it or do you run from it? Do you immediately get defensive or do you listen humbly thinking there might be something that you should hear in that um, in those words that person is saying or the scripture is saying? Do you automatically think that when somebody corrects you, they are being judgmental? Like you go to like, oh, don't judge me. Who are you to judge? Where it's just like, wait a minute, they just, they're just pointing out a flaw. They're just They're just trying to be lovingly, like rebuke you in an area they're not... They're not putting themselves in a judgment seat. They're just, being a, 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 just trying to love you as a brother or sister. Do you, go, do you first go to justifying yourself when corrected? Is there anything that is off limits in your life to correction? Your parenting. Can y'all be parent, corrected on your parenting styles? Can you be corrected in your financial habits? Can you be corrected in your politics? Can you be corrected in your lifestyle choices? We should be the kind of people who are open and welcome correction. Now, there, there is wise ways to do that, and there's certain people you want to do that, but we'll get to it here. And say, but You want people around you who will actually tell you the things you need to hear, not the things you just want to hear. We'll get to that here in a second. Um, do you look for opportunities to grow in your faith? Are you the kind of person who's always looking to grow, always looking to learn, always being humble enough to say, yeah, I probably need to grow in this area. I need to go talk to somebody wiser to help me understand that. Um, if you think you might be a scoffer, which again, we all are, and to some degree, why is that? Do some digging. Is it baggage? Is it shame? You're already feeling so much shame, you just can't stand that little bit more of shame that that comment could bring you. Maybe it's baggage, like your mom or your dad was so mean with their words that you just can't take any more. Or or you, have, you, you reflect, when, when somebody gives you correction, you immediately go back to, Hear words from your mom or your dad, and so you have all this baggage that you're now bringing into the certain your relationships now. Whatever it is, do that work. Be honest. This is keeping me from being a wise person. This is hurting me in areas of my character. So deal with it. Go talk to somebody. Talk to a friend. Go see a counselor. Right. Deal with that baggage you have that's causing you to be a scoffer. Verse nine. Give instruction. This is kind of the opposite side. Now give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. So one part of this is how we are using our words. Do Do we speak wisdom to others? Do we feel confident enough in our relationships? Do we have the kind of relationships where we can be honest with other people? Can we call people to God's wisdom? Can we call people to um, to kind of, kind of sharpening their character? Do we have the courage to do that in the context of community? We should. That's a problem with the person who's actually giving the wisdom too, right? So you could have problems on both sides and nobody ever says anything to anybody about anything. And we don't grow and we don't sharpen one another. So that's something for both sides. And then uh, verse 10 to 12, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We talked about that verse last week. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The wise person is humble. The scoffer is prideful. The wise person is teachable. The scoffer is arrogant. So I want to end with this. If, it, if it, I don't want you to walk away hearing, um, do better, try harder. Be a person that does really better in the area of wisdom. That's not what the message is for, okay? This message is supposed to lead us to Jesus. It's supposed to humble us to say, we can't do this on our own. We're gonna fail every day. We're gonna scoff when people try to give us wisdom or try to give us correction. That will happen. Here's what folly tells us. Folly tells us you can do it on your own. Folly tells us continue to, to chase those dreams and desires. Continue to pursue the things you wanna pursue and, 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 and don't, don't get too mixed up with kind of the Jesus thing and the church thing. Maybe you can sprinkle some Jesus on there to help you here and there, but you do you. You you chase your dream. You chase after that American dream, right? And kind of you can bring in the church or Jesus when it's convenient for you. That is folly. Maybe some of you are in the room are serious about your faith, but you're just so gripped with shame and performance, and you just want to, it's this, I should have done this, I could have done that, I need to do more, I'm not accepted by God, and that is foolishness as well. Wisdom knows our hearts. She knows our hearts are bent and wired towards sin. It's what we call total depravity and original sin, right? We all have some, we want to be our own authority. We all want to be our own gods. That's the way our heart is bent. And God knows that. Lady Wisdom knows that. It's to lead us to the source where we can receive grace and receive mercy and then walk in the way of wisdom. We need new hearts. We need somebody from the outside of us to take our heart of stone and give us a, give us a new heart. Listen to 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31. We, we talk, preach through this. Uh, it's been a year and a half, two years ago, but this is, this is exactly what we're talking. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Listen to this. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Like this, this, this whole thing of grace and mercy and the gospel and laying down your life, dying to yourself, loving your enemies, if something takes something from you, give them, if they're, if they're in need, give them more. Like give them, give away your possessions. Like look out for other people more than yourself. That, in our world, this is so um, foolish through the eyes of the world. Why in the world would you do this? You've got 80 something years here on earth. You go get yours. Go hard after success. Go hard after the pleasures. That is the way of the world. That is wisdom in the world. It is foolishness to follow Jesus in the eyes of the world. But God chose the foolish things of the world, to, or the, 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 he, he chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. In verse 28, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us, here it is, wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that, all that's because he wants us to boast in the Lord. But the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. So wisdom leads us ultimately to Jesus. Because we fail. We mess up. We can't do this on our own. Right? We need to understand our relationship with God. We understand that we're in his family. Like Solomon says to his son, Solomon's son knows that he's loved by his father. Solomon's son knows that he, he, he's taken care of by his father. So now his father is showing him the way to walk in wisdom. And it's the same thing with us, right? We pursue wisdom because in it, we get more of Jesus. We don't have to earn wisdom. As we become biblically wise people, we experience a deeper sense of God's grace found in Jesus. Like that's the point. The wiser we are, the more we walk this path, the more of Jesus we're going to experience, and the more freedom and joy and peace and all the fruits of the spirit we will experience. Three things practical, really practical here. small steps. okay We talked about last week. I used the idea of kind of the athletic imagery of, of muscle memory that's an idea used in athletics that you practice at home and practice and, and practice and you go through things. Over and over and over so that when you get to the game, when you get into that that intense moment, that tension, you do things automatically, right? You don't have to think about all the things. And you get there by practicing every day, getting a little bit, moving towards that. The same idea with wisdom and walking this path. It starts with small, tiny decisions you make every day that build up over a long period of time. Okay, This is playing the long game. This is a long process we're talking about. This is not going to happen overnight, okay? Number one, do you have a firsthand knowledge type of relationship with God? Like, do you, when, you, when you think about God, is it what other people have written about or told you, or do you know him? Like, Do you have a relationship with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit? If you don't, you need to spend some time there. Make it a daily habit, a practice, so you'll be the kind of person that hears from God well when you really need it, right, as you live your life. Second thing, do you have people in your life that will tell you the truth? Not just people who tell you what you want to hear, but tell you what you need to hear. Your spouse should definitely be able to do this, I think, in a healthy marriage, but you need people outside of your spouse for sure, right? Men, need some other men in your life. Women, need some other women in your life. Are you surrounding yourself with people that are going to point you back to the scriptures to tell you, to call to you what's good and right and the way of wisdom, not the way of folly? Because we will all walk off into that ditch because we're prone to. We need people around us that will lovingly correct us. And here's a way to know, like if you haven't had someone tell you something really difficult, like in the last three months, you probably don't have somebody in your life like that. If you haven't had to have a really hard conversation with somebody that loved you, that kind of confronted you in your sin or your idolatry or whatever, if that hasn't happened for you probably in the last three months, you probably don't have that kind of relationship. So go get them. Go seek them. The church is the perfect place to have those kinds of relationships. Um, And lastly, um, are you seeking people to speak wisdom to in humility? Like We're not all on the receiving end of this. We need to be the ones who are giving wisdom we are taking God's wisdom and helping people apply it to their life? Are you looking for ways to be the person who gives wisdom, not just the receiver of wisdom? And that's when we start working together. We start being a t- the type of church that preaches the gospel to one another, calls each other to wisdom. That is really what discipleship is about. And that's what we want here at Providence Road. Let's pray. Father, once again, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for Proverbs. Um, I just love the vivid imagery you give us that so we can understand, even personifying wisdom as, as two women that we can kind of think about in that way. And we got these houses and we got these paths and we got this food. We got these invitations. We all get that imagery. So thank you for giving us um, your truth in that way. To Help us as we try to walk this path of wisdom. We know we don't do it alone. We know your spirit is inside of us, those who are in Christ in this room. So help us. Help, help us be the kind of people over a long period of time to develop the character and become wise as we live. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.